Miriam Tazi in the house. How's it going, Malcolm Riddle? Mm, mm, mm. What's the word? And welcome to another episode of American Riddle. Miriam Tazi is looking at me like I'm crazy. Well, I people. was wondering if you were expecting an answer. What's the word? I was like, what? what? I don't. <laughs> we just keep it going. Yeah. They know that by now, huh? <laughs> Ain't nothing smooth here. Huh. Yeah. The song is smooth. Yeah. You I think so? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, I've been playing it for X amount of episodes. I mean, this is what it is now, people. Have you decided now this is it? Our no, I want to add to it. I want to add to, like, I want to do some cuts on it and jazz it up a little bit. Like the closing number, I think I want to phase that one out and open and close with the same, uh, you know. But I just haven't had time. I mean, who's got time? Huh? Some people. Got elections going on. The country's going mad. Mitt Romney is attacking Donald Trump. The heat's on. You know what I mean? It's wild. It's the wild west out here. And you got to be ready. You got to protect yourself. Mm. Right? Yeah. You got to protect yourself at all times. That's the that's the rule. That's the rule of boxing, right? Yeah. And speaking that's of... True. That's a segue, Mary. I like that. Huh? I just got oh, that. You, what do you think? I'm an amateur? <laughs> I'm not new to this. That is beautiful. I'm true to this. Ooh. look at you you're on fire today look out people and you know how we do it so yeah speaking of boxing we have a uh we have a guest that's uh that we're gonna call in a second uh mariam tazi and i watched a film uh actually i was introduced to it uh a film called uh when the bell rings it's a documentary and in this documentary kind of explores the journey of a, of a fighter named named David Dino Wells, and uh, his uh, I guess I guess you say it was his comeback effort, right? Yeah. Wait, you still didn't say how you were introduced to. I this. was introduced. Thank you, Mary Tazi, for <laughs> keeping me on track. That's what she does. Well, I'm just I was curious. I don't know how were you introduced to this. I was at work and I met a young lady, mm-hmm. and uh, we we started uh, talking just about this, that, hip hop, the whole nine. I talked about the podcast and. This goes into what I've talked about in previous episodes about people getting involved and helping produce American Riddle. Well, I think, you know, she heard the siren, Mm. you know, loud and clear. Nice. And she came at me and was like, yo, I got a, you know, I got someone I work with. Mm -hmm. What exactly the relationship is, we'll get into uh, during the conversation. But, uh, um, yeah, it was interesting and uh, like that, voila. Oh. You know? What? <laughs> you love those French sayings. I do. You use them more than I do. <laughs> I do. So, yeah. That's the, cool. The, uh, the film itself is, uh, is a documentary mm-hmm. that came out, I believe it came out in 2014, has received countless awards. And uh, just, just I, you know, I, I classified it after I saw it, and I immediately got on the blower and told you to watch it. The blower. Right? The horn? Yeah. Right? Yeah. The phone? Sure. Yes. <laughs> the cellular device, whatever you want to call it. Uh-huh. I got on the phone and, and told you to watch it uh, immediately. And I did. It's like the, the uh, docu. It's like, it's like a re- he's like a real-life Rocky Balboa. Yeah, that's how you're describing it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So uh, with that being said, let's, let's just get, to, get, on, get on the phone right now. On the horn. Let's, yeah, the blower. Do you know? Yep. Hey, it's Malcolm. 
Noel's is here. Yeah, yeah. So we're we're on air. I've already uh, set the intro up um, with my co-host with the most, Mariam Tazi, and we were just talking about um, how I was introduced to uh, when the bell rings, and I recently, we recently watched it and viewed it and yep. enjoyed it immensely. Yeah. Uh, so we were we were happy uh, with this uh, this announcement of an oppor- opportunity to to chat with you a bit. And it's a pleasure having me on, and and thank you for enjoying the documentary. We always had rave, rave reviews. We had not had one bad review of yet, <laughs> you know, not one. Well, that's nice. <laughs> but it's, yeah. it's really good. Yeah, it, it, I'm not it, surprised. <laughs> it, 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 it's a tale of a, uh, and I, I, you know, I don't use this word a lot, but almost a, an epic journey of a uh, of the relationship that you have. In the ring, outside of the ring, and most importantly, with your children. Yeah. And that, that really hit home uh, with me, being a, a father of one, uh, you of many, but uh, it, it, it really hit home and resonated with, with me. Uh, why, don't you, why don't we start from the beginning and uh, maybe talk about, before we get into the film part of it, tell us a little bit about your background, you know, where you grew up. When you get you know when you got your start in boxing, well, I originally had the notion of boxing from my mom's boyfriend when I was five years old. She, wow, um, dated this guy, and he I guess he was a big boxing fan. I think he's a friend of Sugar Ray Robinson or something. I don't know, but he gave me some uh, autograph, authentic autograph gloves of Sugar Ray Robinson, and. He used to mess with me with the boxing as a kid. I'm just a little five-year-old hitting, using the gloves, hitting them and stuff. And that stuck with me from my, from five all up until I was 19. My mom didn't want me to box, though. So um, when my mom kicked me out and I went on my own, running the streets and stuff, I decided to get into boxing to pay homage to Sugar Ray Robinson because he had passed away that year. And... And I started from there in Chicago, um, from Chicago, the south side, of course, and took my career from there. I was one of the most feared amateur fighters in the early 90s. Um, record was 67 and 13. I kind of cleaned up everything in Chicago, in the Midwest area, and Milwaukee, Indiana, uh, Michigan. Couldn't get no fights in Indiana and, and Chicago, so I had to go down south to fight. And... What step got me out of the ring was a lot of trials and tribulations outside of the ring. My mother took my oldest son from me, and um, you know I was still in between the streets and boxing, lack lackluster stuff, dealing with baby mama drama. Um, so that pretty much kind of took my mind and focus off my main mission was to go to the Olympics, and I got beat in a tournament that that was supposed to set me to go to the Olympics, to the Olympics. So you talk about you, you talk about uh, you know being a force to reckon with early in the nineties. That was that was that was just a a great era uh, for boxing. Uh, the nineties. I remember I used to record everything to VHS back in those days, and uh, everything from like De La Hoya to Trinidad to I mean you name it, Sweet Pea, Pernell Whitaker. I mean I was a fan of all right. those guys back in the day. And just a just an amazing era. Did you did you find a lot of politics as uh, far as you know getting getting good fights? Is that why you had to travel around? Was politics involved? And if so, how did that impact your your career early on? Well, 
Well, I had only one novice fight as an amateur. My very first fight was a not fight fighting as a novice, and then I turned open like my second. Not maybe I had two novice fights, and then my third fight I turned open. That's kind of you don't supposed to really turn open because I was beating up the novice so bad. The two novices I fought and beating up everybody sparring. My trainer he trained me as a professional, so I looked like a pro in there as an amateur. As everybody. Punching sloppy, throwing wild punches and things and such forth, and I'm just being tactical and picking you apart. And that scared a lot of people who wanted me to fight their fighters. So um, I could say politics because I lost like four championships, and out of the four championships as an amateur, they were, I, I got robbed out of three of them. So yeah, it was politics. Nobody, and you know, like I'm just me. I'm a guy trying to make it. Boxing is a way to get out the streets. And I just want to take it. I want to go to the Olympics. That's my whole goal is to train hard and go to the Olympics. Butch Elliott is my original trainer. He's the one that instilled the, the knowledge, all turned me from a street fighter into a boxer. You know, and that was, that was the politics. Is, is, yeah, it was kind of bad back then in the amateur realm. But if you think about it, um, Mayweather, he got robbed. You know, uh, Roy Jones got robbed. There's a lot of good fighters got robbed, and I don't know why. You know, I got robbed four times. So, <laughs> yeah, that's got to be tough mentally. That's got to be tough. But the the the, the thing that uh, you know, just now again, this is for me watching boxing. Uh, that defines uh, a champion is is how you come back. You know, from those losses. You know, whether it's right. in the ring or due to the you know against a boxer, or whether it's due to the politics of it, and. Uh, it's it's quite a character study to see the ones that actually do keep moving forward. Right. Yeah. So it's a um, it, it's you know that 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 alone, you know, is 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 something to marvel, and that's just you know that also is just part of the it is what embodies the sweet science. I mean, it's mm. it's everything that goes in the ring, outside the ring, leading up, you know, to the fight and after the fight, and. Uh, uh, I'm sure that was a that was a uh, a challenging challenging journey. Uh, what um, when you so what was your record? Um, you know, pretty much in the '90s. I think you mentioned it earlier. Uh, sixty-seven wins and thirteen losses. That's a that is <laughs> that's, crazy. that's a, insane when you think about it. I mean, that's a lot of fights. Were you fighting like back in the day? I always tell people all the time. I mean, I started watching boxing in the '80s. With Mike Tyson, even even you go back further than that, if you take Ray Robinson, these guys would fight like every three months or so, or or sooner. You know, we, we, did you have a schedule well, like that? They were fighting every month back then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, now now cats will take you know they take a year off or more, you know, for negotiations right. for the payday. Really? Oh yeah, it's really a year off between fights now for some of the from the Is champions. That, really? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, I call a lot of the fighters these days, these days a poop bugs. Not like, I mean, it might sound disrespectful to them, but they are. I'm like, why would you fight once a year or twice a year? Yeah. I mean, I'm 45 now, and, I, and if I was having a chance to go back in there, I'd train hard, try to fight every other month if I had to, just to build it up so I can fight some of the light heavyweights out there, like hmm. a Donna Stevenson or something. But um, when I was training as an amateur, I trained – like no other. I mean, I trained hard. I ran in the blizzard. I ran in the desert. I, I put the, the weights on my ankle. I did everything 
outside what I think my opponent wasn't doing. So I said, I want to be prepared. I was prepared. I didn't let the street adversity take me off my off my uh, my mission at the time until adversity got kind of rough. I was young, so I still didn't know how to deal with pressure and obstacles and stuff like that. So, of course, eventually I, crum- I crumbled to it. Hmm. Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, when you talk about having a schedule like that and a training regimen like that, it kind of reminds me of the uh, mixed martial arts now where you see those guys and they're they're fighting on a schedule similar similar to that where they're always active and always in the ring and just taking what they can get just to get that notoriety. Yeah, I used to have like probably about six fights a month, maybe as an amateur. We'll fight probably twice a week. Or, or maybe three times a week, or three times every other week. It just depends on what came up and what shows they had in Chicago or in the Atlanta area. So they used to have this club called the Blue Note. They had boxing there, and they had the, the certain gyms in the area. They had the little boxing shows there, and, and I try to get in there and just destroy anybody and everybody just to get my name out there. Yeah. What were some of the challenges? Like you mentioned the south side of Chicago, and maybe some of the listeners aren't familiar with uh, with Chicago, but, uh, uh, you know, I came from uh, uh, Flint, Michigan, right outside of Detroit, and I had a lot of uh, – a lot of people I used to run run with, were, they were from Chicago, and they would tell us, and I've been to Chicago, and I've seen it firsthand, but uh, it's got to have been a tough, tough atmosphere as a young man, a young black man to deal with and to, to, to seek out his goals. It's like a, it, back then, like now, it's, 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 they, say, they say it's worse now, but it was, it's the same thing as it was back then, it's just getting more media attention because of social media and, you know, the, the how the times has changed with the internet and everything. So, but it's just the same thing going on back then was going on now. And, you know, dealing with the gangs and trying to, you know, get around the gangs and dope dealers and haters and people who say, oh, you're not going to make it and, or you're not going to get off these streets, you know, because, yeah, I wasn't a good, I wasn't a... I'm going to say a goody two-shoe. I did run around the wrong crowds, and I did do silly stuff as a teenager and or in my, as a young adult. But I knew that wasn't my end game. I wanted to do something better than being in the streets. So that's why I chose boxing as an avenue to get out of it because my ultimate goal is to get into entertainment because I'm, I'm a writer and I'm a poet and I want to be an actor. So I want to use boxing as a, a stepping stone to get into the entertainment business as a writer and, and actor. Yeah, yeah. But Southside, I'm from the Roseland area. You want to see Roseland area, West Pullman area, all that area is, is, is bad. They used to call it the Wild Hundreds, or they still call it the Wild Hundreds, you know, the, with the gangs and all that stuff. It's just kind of, it's poverty You know, right now it's even bad because it's nothing but empty houses, rural houses, and closed down businesses now. It's like it's so bad nobody don't want to even live there anymore. It's weird because I've talked about it on the on the podcast just about how Flint, Michigan and Detroit is like that as well. And there's there there, there are plenty of neighborhoods like that, but they don't they don't talk about them until it's you know, too late or it's time to talk about it or it's politically time right. uh to talk about it because we're we are and we come from a forgotten land within this land we call the U.S. of A. And it's, 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 it's strange to me 
well, it's not not even strange. It's not even foreign to me. I'm just used to it. The fact that you know they they meaning the powers that be have forgotten about us and, and, until it affects them directly. And, and places like Chicago, you know, over what was it? The past I mean, the past couple couple of years, there, there's been uh, numbers of violence. And you mentioned social media, the 24 hour news cycle. They'll hit up hit on it, but but no one goes there. Mm-mm. Unless they're seeking, you know, some job or some election or yeah. or something like that, and then, then everyone forgets about us. Mm-hmm. It's uh, right. It's 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 something I think we need to take advantage of. And uh, we, when we create, meaning when you write, someone like yourself, when you write, when you make a film, when uh, 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 music is made, is something that I think we should. And some artists are highlighting more of it. Yeah, bring more awareness to it. Yeah, it's yeah. It, but but it's amazing how people can live in, in especially with the twenty four hour news cycle and social media, how people can still live in a bubble and not even uh, yeah. acknowledge. They just think that we're all gangsters and pushers, you know. Right, and well, and, and we're not. Well, we, that's that's go that's ahead. why I feel I had my start in Chicago in yeah. boxing. The gym that I trained out of in Chicago on the south side is not there anymore, but. I'm planning on opening a gym in Chicago nice. called Rebellious Boxing Gym, which is uh, I'm partnering with Les, Lester Ellis, is a former world champion from Australia, and um, and we're teaming up together to open up. I think Buster Mathis is another one that's on the team as well, and it's, it's a couple other people. I can't remember the names offhand, but we're all going to open up a boxing gym. It's already opened in Australia already. They already have a program going, but I want to have a program to help the community and at least some of the kids to, or young adults to come into the gym, learn a little bit about boxing, get a little discipline, a lot of discipline actually, and teach them, you know, instead of picking up a gun, shooting somebody, use your hand, use your energy, hit this bag right here or uh, shadow box or something. Do something inside the gym and release that energy instead of going out there and doing something you had no business doing. Yeah, and that's that's making things accessible. You know, having library more. You know, having libraries open, having gyms open, and not having gun shops and and liquor stores and you know whatever it is that's accessible in the hood. You know what I mean? Uh, that's what people gravitate towards. And I can't I can't say it enough, man. We're not all you know. We don't all want to be pimps. We don't want all want to be drug dealers. We don't all want to be gangsters just because. You know, right. the, of the color of our skin. That doesn't matter. Me. That that's not just uh, for black people. That's also for Latinos. That's also uh, for Arab Americans. That's uh, for everyone that lives uh, in uh, in a poverty stricken uh, neighborhood. So uh, I you know I can't say it enough right. that, that that the same thing that the wealthy want is the same thing that other people want. You know, we're we're humans, and we we need to stay on that platform. We need to be involved in the community uh, to 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 give um, to be able to produce uh, accessible areas, whether it be a gym, library, uh, social outreach programs, or, or whatever it whatever it is. So, yeah, um, do you do you, have, do you guys have a strategy in promoting that and uh, uh, getting funding for uh, that gym? Um, I, they're all handling that right there yeah. because I'm focused on other things right now. But yeah. as I check in with them and getting all the information on it, and my manager is working with them diligently, so at the same time, I believe everything is all the ducks on a row. 
Um, the financing is going to be there. The location I have on the south side of Chicago is a nice location, so hopefully we can lock that location down and, and get this gym open by the summer. And we're going to do a big uh, photo op press thing and show that, you know, we're doing this for the community. And I'm not just doing this just for uh, publicity sake. I'm not doing it for that. I'm doing it because I really am passionate about my neighborhood because I'm tired of seeing in the news that, oh, Chicago, 53 yeah. murders this weekend. Yeah. Like, really? Yeah. Like, that that hurts my soul. So that makes me embarrassed that I'm from Chicago. I'm like, man, but it's my generation that caused all this madness. So I feel like it's my per- my duty to at least fix or help fix the problems that's going on there. I know I'm not going to solve it all. I know this opening that gym is not going to fix it all, but at least I can be some kind of help to the, somebody is screaming help in the neighborhood. And I was one of them because I really didn't want to be in the gang. I really didn't want to sell drugs. I just did it because it was easy, accessible, and it's quick money. Yeah. And, and, and that's, a, that's, that's something that we've talked about on the show as well. You know, I've been, I've been doing this podcast now. We've been doing this podcast for, I think this is 148th episode, and I've mentioned Flint, Michigan, almost every episode to some greater or lesser degree, and it's only now uh, that uh, Flint, Michigan is in the forefront of the conversation. Uh, Of course, yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. of course, it's, you know, a lot of it, uh, it it is the political season, but it's also, we have to keep in mind, it's the right thing to do. You know what I mean? I don't care if it's Flint, Michigan. I don't care if it's the south side of Chicago. We have to pony up and do the right thing. Yeah, we can't be ignoring this anymore. No, no. And uh, yeah, so keep us, keep us up to date on the progress. And if there's anything we can do uh, to promote or to help out in Chicago, uh, definitely keep me and uh, Miriam Tazi in the fold. Because uh, uh, we're we're here to help in any way we can. Most definitely, and that situation with Flint and water, and it's going on in a lot of uh, the poverty neighborhoods yeah. in the United States, yeah. especially yeah. here in Louisiana. I I found out there's some issues going on with water here in Louisiana. I found out there's in my neighborhood in the Roseland area. There is some issue about lead being in water in there, and I'm sitting there like, wow, why is this going on? I I know why I'm I'm sort of a conspiracy sort of a conspiracy theorist. I'm not gonna say it too <laughs> like I'm sort of a conspiracy theorist, but at the same time, I feel that there is something a bigger agenda going on, and they're not caring about the the you know I guess the lesser wealth wealthier people. I want I don't like saying minorities because I feel, I feel that we are the majority. We're not the minority. We're the majority, but. They well, want to label us as minorities, so it is what it is. So yeah, I think they don't care about us, so they're like, okay, let this ha- let them have the the poo poo water, and we can have the drink the good water. I don't know; it's just crazy to me. Well, I mean, that this is going on, especially in Flint and yeah. Chicago. Yeah, I mean, I think I think you're 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 a lot more gentle than I am because I'll say it: they don't give a fuck about black people. They don't. And when I mean, <laughs> I didn't know if I could cuss. That's why I, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. I was like, I don't know. You know yeah, you can. You can. It's fine. You can let it. You can let it rip. But you, they, they don't. And what I mean by black people, I, I, I mean I classify Latinos. I classify Asians. I classify anyone right. that isn't uh, isn't white and and from a certain class. I, you know, I'm not to generalize all white people, but when I mean the people that are in power that are making the decisions, that are making the laws, uh, that are, that are um, uh, uh, 
buying up the real estate. It's, it, you're not a conspiracist theorist. You can just do math and see that they don't care because it doesn't affect them. And when you can clear out, right. when you can clear out a group of people because of quote unquote natural causes or quote unquote because they're crazy, because they're wild, because they're thugs, and when they start dying off, you start going in and buying up the property. This isn't new. This isn't new news. This, the fact is we do have the 24-hour news cycle and social media, and it is educating us at a alarmingly fast rate that the information gets out there. And there are people out there that are white. There are people out there from different countries and different places, different religions, different political views that do care and that do get involved and want to see change within those communities. That's what we have to do, and that's the message we need to stay on, uh, and we have to come together. So it's, you know, I I don't mince any words when it comes to this because it's it's not new. I am both Native American and black, and I know what's been done to – to, and forgive me because I get a little passionate on this subject. It, I can I can I can feel it. I can feel it in your voice. It has it resonating. So I yeah, understand. yeah. It, it, you know, it, it it is something, and and I think we we just need to recognize it, and we have to tell it like it is. It's uh, it's it's ongoing, and the fact that someone like yourself, you could easily, you could easily ride the success of your film and 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 embark on a uh, filmmaking acting career. And just turn a blind eye to what's going on in Chicago and not worry about anything and just focus on you and what you're doing. Or you can multitask it and you can still care about the community and get involved in it like what you're doing and keep it moving. So that's what we applaud. And that's yeah. why you're here on this podcast today. Uh, thank you again. And I, I wouldn't feel right if that happened, like my my career, you know, if my career is going to blow up. So my career... When my career get to this next pinnacle, this next level, I could never turn a blind eye. It just, just wouldn't feel right. It wouldn't sit right in my bones. I'm not that type of person. Even when I was running around like a muck and, and doing my thing, doing the the negativity, I, I was always trying to do something positive. I was like, what you call it? The uh, uh, What's the word I want to use for it? Um it was. I was like an oxymoron gangbanger. Yeah. No, <laughs> you know no, what I, I'm I, yeah, I no. want to be a thug, but I'm going to do good at the same time. Yeah, he's a gangbanger. I want to be a thug, but I want to do good at the same time. Like, yeah, yeah. What, is, what kind of thug are you? He's, I mean, just because it's not the lifestyle I want to live. <laughs> thugs need love, too. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're, it's a, true. A gangbanger that kills, I mean, that, 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 that cares. I mean, you know, it's, it, it, the thing is, it's in your blood and the bottom line is you knew better, and that's why you were conflicted. You know what I mean? You knew better, and that's why you chose another route. You knew better, mm-hmm. and that's why you started moving in the direction that you went into. Not only that, you knew better, and that's why you went after your children within the film. And so let's talk about uh, uh, the film uh, that you made, when the, uh, when, when the Bell Rings. Why don't we talk about... Mm-hmm the uh the process how did you get involved what was it, when did it start and uh you know just take us through the beginning of the 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 overall uh building of this this film this documentary well um uh, when rings when i stepped away from boxing in 96 you know i, I stepped away from boxing and i was still i was around 170 pounds in shape 
and I, 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 I intermingled playing semi-pro football here and there, and I wanted to get into acting. Where were you living? But, you know, I was living in Chicago, then went down to Georgia. You know, I was bouncing around from state to state, Chicago, Georgia, Alabama, Florida. You know, I was just bouncing around, just trying to stay away from boxing. I wanted to keep my mind away from boxing. And then I was trying to get my son back from my mom at the time, and that was a drama between my mom and I trying to get my son back from her because that's, that's a whole other story. So anyway, so on, on my journeys from... 1996 to 2001, I didn't do no boxing, didn't look at no boxing, kept my mind away from it. Then I got big and out of shape. I went to 260, 270 pounds, like this, blown up. How tall are you? And I'm looking at my, um, I'm uh, 5'10", 5'9 and a half, 5'10". About my height. Like 260, <laughs> 270. Yeah. I was like chunky. Like a, <laughs> they, people was calling me Pillsbury Doughboy because oh. the way my body was shaped because I was big, you know. So I didn't like the way I looked, didn't like the way I feel. So I said, I want to get myself back in shape. I want to document this process. This is back in 2001. Nobody didn't believe I was a boxer. Nobody didn't want to take, take me serious. So I went back more into depression, got a little bit bigger. I think the biggest I got was 290. And I didn't feel good. I felt lethargic, so I started working to get myself back in shape. I got already back down to 250. This was around 2004. And I wanted to get back and try to get the documentary off the ground. Like, I want to do this documentary about my return to boxing. But nobody didn't take it serious again, so I, I left it alone. 2005, 2006, 2007, 2010 come around. I'm in California now, living in California, working on film, TVs, whatever. And I was living in Culver City, out of shape, probably around 250. And I had an epiphany. I was sitting there like, man, my, I can't really do the things I used to do anymore. I'm, sitting, I'm tired. I really want to get into boxing. My life is not where I want to be. I thought about ending my life, actually. I was, I was contemplating over and over and over again, like, how would I do this? I'm not in my kid's life. Um, my kid's mom is tripping. I don't know what I don't know what's going on. So I just want to just end it all. So I did this little Facebook message, wrote it, this big old this video. I didn't send it out yet. This is my goodbye message. You know what I'm saying? I was going to post it. And then that was it. Um, I ended up working on the Spirit Awards, and I met Brad Boris, and I told him my life story, and he was like, uh, "Use the box." You know, I'm a big guy. And I was like, yeah, I used to box. Didn't believe me. So I kept telling him my history and my past and everything and told him what I wanted to do with my vision. He's like, man, if you find your gym, I'm going to film your life story. This is in 2010. I said, oh, well, really? You would do that for me. He's like, yeah, man, I'm going to film your story. I always want to do a documentary about sports, player, blah, blah, blah. So I'm going around trying to find gyms. Nobody want to take me serious. I couldn't find a gym, so I was really depressed. And when I said, I'm about to upload this video now. You know what I mean? And I did. I uploaded the video, put it out there. And somebody got compelled by it, called me back and said, look, man, I found a this, this is a gym. It's in Highland Park. Talk to this guy. He trained guys your age. Hit him up. Do it. Call them. Tell me to come out to the gym. Call Brad. So I found a gym. And then history, that started the journey from there on. Brad, that was his first documentary, so he didn't, he was just winging it. Didn't know what to do. He had no kind of 
style with it or anything. He was just shooting randomly. You know, this is his first documentary. So he asked me, what all, What do you want to do? I said, man, I want to see my sons. I want to see my daughter. I want to talk to my mom. I want to, you know, I want to have some closure with my dad. I just want to do, you know, I wrote this list down. So he made a shot list and he said, you know what? We're going to fly to all these places. So I was like, really? I don't have money for this. He said, don't worry about it. And he funded it from his own pocket. We did a Kickstarter and we filmed for two years and that's what y'all got the product now. (laughs) Yeah. It's, 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 it's funny that you mentioned everything that you outlined. It was the film. I mean, it showed your, it goes in and shows, you know, the battle you're having with your weight, but you're determined because you want to get back in the ring. And it shows the conflicts that you have, uh, you know, uh, w- with your own uh, personal life, but you're determined and you want to get back in the ring and get to your children. And that became, that became the, 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 the core of the story. You would think a boxing documentary about a boxer, but the core mm-hmm. of it was the family. You know what I mean? Being, being, we talked about earlier about wanting the same thing everyone else wants in the community. Even if you're a single parent, it's not just whether you're a, a woman or a male. You and you, if you have children, you if you know better, you want to be with your children, and that's what you wanted. And that 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 was the story for me. And that's the that's a story I think we don't hear a lot in the black community is black fathers, although they may not be married, you know, within the same household. Uh, my son and I are not living in the same household, but day in, day out, I drive an hour to see him. I drive an hour back. I'm in the car all the time, and Miriam Tazi hears me complain about it a lot. But at the same time, you do what you have to do for the love that you have as a parent, as a father, and as a man. And that's something that you were, you showed throughout the film. Well, the the thing is, doing the journey before even documentary, it was a rough journey trying to be, you know, because I'm trying to have a film career. Yeah. I'm dabbling in and out of the film business. I'm doing security work. I'm doing a little odd and end jobs. Grinding. Me. Child support is killing me. Um, my second baby mama threw me on child support. Third baby mama, third baby mama threatened to put me on child support, but never did. She never did. Thank goodness. Um, she was never. You're not going to see your son, so she was never that type of girl. So actually, I got a chance to um, talk to my son from time to time, but I never seen him until I did the documentary. My other son, who I have custody of now, who wasn't in the documentary, but he was on the Skype portion of the documentary when they were talking to each other. Yeah, I saw that. Um, he, I have custody of him now. His his mom didn't want him to be a part of the documentary because she thought I was trying to get back in his life just for publicity purposes of it. And I was like, that is not what, uh, that's not the reason why I want, you know, my son part of the documentary. I want, this is documentary is about me building with him and my daughter. My daughter, she really didn't want to be a part of the documentary, but because her and I have our uh, ups and downs. Yeah. She's long since apologized to me. She apologized to me for treating me like an ass for all these years. She's nineteen and she's my and she has my granddaughter now, so mm-hmm. um we really mend our uh, our differences and we're building from that. And I just say all I wanna do is be a better father to you all. Uh, I wanna be a and this is emotional this is an emotional subject to me because my father wasn't in my life. 
you know, my father, mom, mom, and dad divorced when I was one. My father had came back from Vietnam, and he was the one this wasn't the same man when th- that my mom, you know, had this crush on when she was in high school. You know, he wasn't the same man when he came back, and you know, my dad tried to kill me when I was a baby. So mm. I had a lot of resentment for him for beating my mother. I had a lot of resentment for him for trying to kill me. I had a lot of resentment for him for not trying to make it work to build this family thing that I always wanted my mom and father to be there. Not my mom and these different guys that she had and this sort of semi-revolving door thing that she had going on. Not saying she was a whore or anything, because, you know, she had different men in her life that I ran away. I, I allowed to run away. You know, I, I ran them away because they wasn't my father. I really wanted my dad. Yeah, of course. So, um, I, I was bad for that. You know, I, was, I shouldn't have, I, I should have let my mom have her happiness, but I just didn't want nobody else to be with my mama. I wanted my dad. And I could feel with my kids, my two boys, you know, my youngest baby mama, she's married. And my son here, he's with me, but he gave her the whole whirlwind before he even got to me because he always wanted to be me. He was smart. He understood that I always wanted to be in his life. He didn't care about the lies and all the games and the shenanigans that his mother did or said, not knocking her or anything like that because we had a great relationship when we did. She just wasn't supportive of my my journey. She thought I wanted too much. You want to act. You want to play football. You want to do this. You want to do. You don't know what you want to do in life. I can't be with nobody unstable like that. So that's why we didn't make it. You know what I mean? She wasn't supportive. So me being in my kids' life means a lot to me. I want to instill to my boys how to be a man. They want to be athletes. They want to be football players and boxers. And I want to be there to, to along to help them along the way. Yeah. Teach them to be a man, a, a father to them, like a father. My father wasn't to me. Yeah, and, and and that that definitely, I mean, Mariam Tazi, you can. Uh... Well, I was just, I mean, I'm very, um, I I really want to commend you on your vulnerability. Actually, throughout the whole documentary about that and your relationship with your kids, it's absolutely beautiful. I mean, I was very touched, and I definitely cried a few times when I was watching it a couple nights ago. But um, yeah, I mean, this film for your children will show what a real man is supposed to be. So in my opinion, it's not about only your, your outer strength and being a boxer, but it's really your, your strength, your inner strength to try to be with them and be good and try to do what you can to give them a better life. Um, and, uh, it could not have been easy, you know, to be that vulnerable as a man, you know, and I just really want to commend you on that. Cause I thought it was just, inspirational and beautiful so i just wanted to put that out there i'm starting to tear up she's, she's <laughs> about to cry <laughs> but yeah there were there were times i didn't even know the camera brad had the camera around me 12 hours a day seven days a week because sometimes i didn't even know he had the camera on like when the, the interaction with me and desmond um in the hotel room when we were you know teaching out teaching because he didn't like reading or yeah. he didn't want to read or whatever. See, I'm a big on education, especially with my son here. He doesn't like to read out loud. And I was like, see, you, you like your brother. You don't like reading. Reading is essential to life, you know. So I get on him about reading. I'm really hard on him about it. I'm like, they call me super hard on him. You know, you bring a D home, you get, you're getting on the punishment. You know what I mean? I, I expect A's and B's. I don't expect nothing else. No lower than that. And if you accept a C and a D, 
that's not that's messed up. If you can if you accept a report card with D's on it, that's not good to me, and that's unacceptable. And that's when I push them. So I, they make A's and B's, and they have a couple of D's they do have to pick up. But at the same time, it's rough, you know, because mm-hmm. I never had that guidance as a father to even just to show them the way. So I'm going off of where I see other inspiring you know, fathers that I'm inspired by, and I just take bits and pieces from them. Yeah. And what I wish I would have had when I was young, and I just instill that in them right now. So that's pretty much it is rough though. It's, it's not. It's not easy. <laughs> no, no, it's not. It's there's there's no part of the journey. Like people ask me all the time about my son's mom and our relationship, and you know how we get along and and things of that nature. And you know, I, I always tell people, you know, it, it took a long time for us to get where we're at right now because there's a there's a there, there, there every people just go through growing pains, and when you're when you're when you are a part like that, the child or children, in your case, are in the middle. And a lot of times they can, just like you did, you could harbor a lot of anger and then lash out, not knowing why. Uh, and, and as you just said, you didn't have the guidance. So you were lashing out at your mom's boyfriends and people that, that she brought through. And then you were just, I think you were just smart enough to figure it out it's, uh, along the way. And gradually guide yourself, but a lot of people they don't have that opportunity. They they're not, you know, whether it's uh, you know their emotional stability or their environment or just a, a collection of, of of different obstacles. And sometimes it's suffocating. And uh, a lot of times we don't ever hear the male side of it. We always hear the female side of it, which I'm very supportive. I was raised by my mother and uh, grandparents and a lot of uh, very strong women in my life. But I know a lot of men out here that are uh, great uh, single dads or co-parenting. And uh, they, you know, they don't get the due, especially uh, black fathers, but uh, they don't get the due uh, in the public eye. And I think that uh, uh, this film definitely, you know, shows, highlights your struggle, but your commitment. And mm-hmm. through that commitment lies a champion. And it was, uh, it, you know, it's something to behold. And I think everyone should watch this film. I, like I said, I when I opened the podcast up, I said, this guy's like, he's like the real life Rocky. Yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> what, what, yeah, what's, what's, what's better than that? I mean, you know, your Adrian in this movie are your children. Mm-hmm. essentially and that's that's the story and that 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 is a that is this this is a film that you could watch now you could watch it five years from now 10 years from now 20 years from now and it works right you know it there's definitely a, works there's a there's an underlying love story in that too as well um the young lady that was in my yes. past who ran away because i was a thug that found me 23 years later trish who helped me out through the process we're together now Actually, Aww. and um, so you have that Adrian. makes me happy. Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. makes me so happy. Yeah, you're right. Aww. Yeah, she's she's the most she's been the most supportive person in my entire life. She's a very virtuous woman. She's very very supportive. She supported me from day one, coming back into my life, and I felt that all the support and love she's given me. She said she loved me from all the years, from long, from 20-something years ago. Like, she ran away from me 
when I told her I loved her the first day I met her, because it was like love at first sight. Like, you know, I was a thug then, and she had this little bandana hanging off her pants, um, back of her pants. You know, I thought she was a thug too. She was really, She wasn't. She that was just the style in the nineties at the time. You know, yeah. uh, eighty nine. That was her style, wearing, you know, the the bandana hanging off her thing. So she's like, she wasn't. She wasn't into the gang stuff. She didn't want me to do all that gang banging thing. I told her I love her. She said, "You don't know me. Why would you love me?" And then I was like, "Well, it's just like love at first sight." I wasn't saying it because I want the booty. I just felt something for her. You know what I mean? I felt something right there. Then she just ran away. I ain't seen her for twenty some years later. Wow! When she found me on Facebook at the inception of Women Bell Rings. Wow! Beautiful. That that that's powerful right yeah. there because it it shows in the film. You know when she she is uh, at that the 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 juncture in the film where she is uh, she is rooting and she's in your corner. Um, you know, I didn't I didn't know the intimate details of it, but uh, yeah, now it it definitely. Uh, you know, makes sense, and and that's that's very powerful. Uh, the 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 uh, so w- the overall f- making of the film, the journey of the film. Were were there any hiccups? Were there any any parts in the film that had to stop or slow down production, or was it pretty much we started and then it, on this date we finished? No, it was a, it was a major hiccups all along the way. It was hiccups. <laughs> From California to, to to New Orleans, you know, at, originally I wanted to, like I said, in the beginning, we didn't know what we was going to do with the um, with the documentary. He, Brad said he wanted more than just boxing because only thing he's filming is me going to the gym, training, yeah. I'm getting, getting back into shape, me sparring these young dudes, me getting manhandled by young dudes. I mean, I was way out of shape getting yeah. manhandled by amateurs. You got knocked you know? out. <laughs> Yeah, I got knocked out too by a professional. That dude who knocked me out was a professional, um, uh, Lloyd Weaver. Yeah, um, that's his. Yeah, he knocked me out, and that how that happened was because I kept asking the trainer. I was like, I was just feeling myself. I started handling my own versus these little amateurs, and that's and my my coach was like, his name is Bob Edwards. He was like, man, um, you think. You, cause you handle them amateurs, you can hang. You cannot hang with these professionals up in here, man. You're not on that level yet. And I'm like, let me just go in there and show. I'm thinking I still have it, yeah. like I did when I was in my twenties. Uh-huh. Thought I still had it, <laughs> and I got brutally humbled. Yeah. <laughs> First time being knocked out, and I didn't. I would never. That stuck with me. I didn't like the feeling. That was. Uh, that was. It was. Yeah, I didn't like that feeling. That was brutal. Yeah, but you got up. You got up, and and throughout the journey of the film, I mean, talk to me about the the, the training. I mean, you went from uh, your highest weight, and then you started seeing results. I mean, you started uh, um, eating right. You started doing sprints. Yeah, uh, I mean, you were you were you were killing it out there. Mm-hmm. I mean, that 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 had had its rewards, right? Yeah, Chase Dixon. Chase Dixon, he's my was my strength and conditioning coach. He made a difference because I plateaued at at a hundred. Actually, I plateaued at two twenty eight. <laughs> I was stuck at two twenty eight. I was like, I, I seem like I'm not gonna never get past this two twenty eight. And then Chase, like, I can take take you on and I can get you to your goal. What are you trying to get to? I said, I want to get down to one seventy five. Man, seeing that weight since my nine, you know, my twenties. And he was like, I can get you there, but you're going to have to want to do it. I'm like, most definitely. There's, there's not a day that passed that I, I wasn't 
amped up to train every day, go to the gym and work out, go to the gym and spar, although I was getting my head kicked in every once in a while in the beginning part of it. But at the same time, Chase broke it down and broke me down and broke me down, and I broke that plateau and got down to 190. I did plateau again at 190, but he had to switch it up, the training regimen up. And then after that, I went from 190 down to 175. And the hiccups was me trying to get my license at the age of 40. Mm -hmm. I couldn't get my license. I was supposed to fight at one point, and there was a lot of shenanigans going on about who was going to do this, who was going to do what. And we didn't have the money for me to pay for all those medical bills. It was just ridiculous. And, uh, well, you know, all those testing things. And and they pulled the resources together, and finally we got it. Then I got a chance to get on that fight card on the December in December. So that was a that was a blessing in itself. But um, I feel that my mission still is incomplete. You know, I know you saw the fight and you saw all the, the fiasco that went with it. I don't want to give it all out, you know, spoiler alerts or whatever. But it was still I was a, a crock of crap what they did to me. But at the same time, I still enjoyed the journey. And in my mind right now, at 45, I still want to fight. Yeah. But but my my whole mission right now is just the entertainment business. I, I like my brains the way it is. You know, <laughs> I don't have the defense in my skills like it was in the 90s. I still can hang with the best of them. I just sparred not too long ago, maybe three weeks ago, and I handled this dude. And he was, you know, a good amateur. And, and he didn't believe that. he I gave him the business like I did. So. <laughs> I still have it, but, you know, it's not like the way it used to be, and I don't think I can do it on a daily basis, like fighting month in and month out. Yeah, right so now. If I put my mind to it, I probably can do it. Though. Yeah, <laughs> but, I mean, you know, sometimes sometimes we, we uh, like, like, we're about the same age, so it's like we have that old man strength, and it's something that when I was when I was coming up, right, when I was coming up, I used to always challenge some of the older guys, and they would always get me. You know, I'm I'm no boxer, but um, they just had a different strength. And where you're at, you've got that that same ability. But I, if if I was a betting man, I would think that your skill set and where you're at, I think you're more beneficial as the uh, as the 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 instructor, the teacher, the father. Um, you know what I mean? The, the community, mentor. yes, the mentor, the community activist. Uh, that's that's where. I would like to see you. Uh, the ring can be a, as you know, I don't have to tell you, um, you're the professional, but the ring can be a dangerous, a dangerous uh, place uh, once we uh, right. get to a certain space in our life. And, um, you know, just, just from watching the film, I think that, uh, that you and uh, the team that you uh, surrounded yourself with, uh, Brad Boris and company, uh, you guys uh, definitely uh, – put together a beautiful uh, film and I think that your your, your talents may uh, may take you to uh, some other projects down the road um, it, you know it's uh, it, like I said if uh, for my listeners definitely check it out um, because it's uh, it's it's worth not only the rent but it's it's, it's, it's worth purchasing uh, like I said I, I'm a I'm a big fan of boxing have been for I mean since I was born I've been a big fan of of the sport and uh, uh of course any movie that comes out I watch I mean it's I I, I see them all and uh this is one that uh that I have uh, in my library now so it's it's worth it and uh yeah we we really appreciate you uh you know giving giving the time to uh 
to call in. I was introduced by someone at work named Kaija. Oh yeah, Kaija. Yeah. I, uh, I I work a evening job, and we met, and she was she telling me all this stuff, and I was like, we were talking about hip hop, and I was talking about uh, some of the artists that I've uh, hung out with, and I've talked on the podcast about Rakim and Big Daddy Kane and all this stuff, and she's like, all right, all right, and we're talking about film and. You know what she does, and and I was like, well, why don't you give me your card? And she goes, I don't, I don't do cards. <laughs> you know, I, I I get a vibe, I get a vibe off someone, and and goes from there. And she sent a message, and was like, uh, she was telling me about the film, and then she sent me another message saying, you know, you you would be able to make yourself available. So that uh, cool. <laughs> that alone, much like you meeting uh, Brad and people like that, it's that overall connection that we have to be in the moment to uh, seize these opportunities so that we connect. And when we connect is what we do with that energy. So, uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, right. Thank you very much for, uh, you know, giving us your time today. Right. And I appreciate it. And thank you very much as well. I have a question. What was your favorite? Um, what's your name again, young lady? Ma- oh, Miriam. <laughs> Miriam. Miriam. Okay. What was your Miriam, what was your favorite part of the documentary? The part to you, what was your favorite part? I like asking everybody that. Oh, well, I well now that you gave me the, you told me that you have you're you're together with the the young lady that actually helped you raise the money for the testing for the fight. Um, I think that relationship is the best part for me. I mean, your kids, of course, and all of that, and that, like I said before, that. Um, that relationship, that vulnerability, and that determination um, to get back, you know, in their lives. But I like the love story. <laughs> Maybe I'm a little soft, but um, I just like that you guys are, are finally back together and that it worked out between you guys. So probably that part, that relationship. Thank you very much. What was your favorite part, Michael? Mine, mine was a, is, a, is a two-parter, but I, like I said before, the... the um the storyline with the children, the commitment of the father, the commitment of the man, the commitment of the boxer, and all of it, everything led to to that road to your commitment to being a better person and a better father, which you know led to the boxing, you losing weight, you getting reaching your goal, making the film. But the the fact is that that moral compass, that 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 which fueled you. And, you know, I, I, I saw some parallels. Um, I can't get into a, I, you know, I'm, I'm not in fighting shape. Right, right, but, right. Uh, I understand. But it definitely connects. Did you, did you actually see the difference with the trainers, the three trainers I had from the beginning, middle, and ending? Did you see the difference out of the three? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it was also different psychologically how each one, um, uh, I guess, the, the, the complete journey throughout that. Psychologically, your, your attitude – Although you were grounded and you were definitely determined, you could see your evolution through each one. Thank you for that one. Thank you. I, I, I just make sure that people didn't miss that because all three of them had their purpose. You know, towards my career, I love all three of them, but my favorite one would be Spider. My last one, though, he was the one that gave me more of the, the uh, I want to say the the mental. Yeah, more of the mental strength and guidance that I needed, where I wasn't getting from the, the previous two. Um, yeah, and and I think a lot of fighters go through that, where you see, 
You know what I mean? You, 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 we've seen some great fighters, and they change trainers, and you see something each one brings to the table. But also, we can't discredit the uh, you, you can't discredit the, the 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 fighter themselves, the the man, because as you when you're younger, you're a little bit more hot headed. You know what I mean? You, you've got a little bit more ego, uh, less experience. But as you grow older, you get more experience. You calm down. You assess things a little differently than you did when you were 25 as you did when you were 35. And definitely when you're 45, when you're 45, you look at things completely different and you're able to slow down each engagement and then you're able to make a move, a calculated move. So, uh, yeah, it's, you know, during your journey, you could, you could see that uh, in the film. But again, for me personally, personally, for me as a father, that's the part that, uh, that hung in there with me and, and, uh, uh, it still does. I mean, it's, uh, you know, it's just, it's just a tribute to what we can do as men, you know, uh, when, when we stand up and look in the mirror and accept who we are. And then we, when we know that we have children and even if they're not your children, uh, they, you're, you're able to pass that on to the next person. Right. So that's, that I was actually disappointed. Sorry about that. Go ahead. I was, I was actually disappointed with the first version of the documentary because we shot 450 hours of footage. Mm. 450 hours of footage, they had to condense down to 90 minutes. And they took out a lot of meat and potatoes of the story. Like this, this, this situation with my mom, they never made the cut. Some other situation with my pops never made the cut. Yeah. But when they finally all sat and came to the conclusion to, to stick with the father's story, the father... You know, I agreed with that. I was like, yes, that that sounds more compelling anyway, because like I said, we had hundreds of different topics. You know, it was going all over the place. Yeah. It was like, that document is going to have people lost. So they just stuck with, okay, my dad wasn't in my life. I want to be in my kid's life. Yeah. Stick with Dino trying to get with dads and just flow with that through the whole thing. And, and it, and it Rule smoothly, but then, like I said, it was other nicks and knacks and crannies and all kind of other stuff, you know what I mean? And Brad said he might do a director's cut or he might put it all in one thing. You know, you don't know. He has all his footage on his terabyte drive that's in the basement sitting there with when the bell rings written on it. And he said he'll never erase it with all that footage. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was, it was, I was funny to me. That's what I was going to say also. Who, who make, who, who has made the rule? that you can't have a sequel to a documentary who says you can't have a, 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 a prequel who says you can't have a trilogy. Um, I just know I've uh, dibbled and dabbled, dabbled in filmmaking and editing myself. And uh, you know, I don't think there's any rule that you, you can or can't do that. And I think it would be a fascinating look to go into uh, you know, the, the, the other sides uh, of your life as well. And I think this specific, this, film itself gives you that foundation for the people that 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 follow you and your story and love you and your story i would easily watch that you know what i mean uh if if it was packaged whether in a dvd or released uh as a short film i mean there's a there's a tons of there's tons of different avenues that i'm sure you guys have uh talked about or have thought about and uh, stuff like that is, you know, it's it's invaluable. Uh, you know, if you've got all that footage, uh, you know, the only thing I say is why not? Mm-hmm. 
Why not? Right. Well, be on on the lookout on my book. Um, I write my book to answer a lot of questions that the documentary didn't answer. My book I'm writing right now, it was supposed to be done last last summer, actually, but I'm still on the process of finishing it up. It's called Hood View Mirror, The Misunderstandings of Dino Wells. And I love it. I will have that ready. Oh. <laughs> Hood View Mirror, The Misunderstandings of Dino Wells. I will have that ready by probably the, the end of the summer, but I don't know. I'm going to have to find a publisher and all that stuff. So, But that's my book. Um, I actually have an, I'm, I'm producing and directing my first movie this, this fall as well. I'm doing a a crowdfund campaign for it's launching April first. Uh, the movie's called No Words at All. It's dealing with racial issues that you know the effects of racism and how it affects us today. And um, it follows three siblings going through a fifty-year journey looking for justice for the murder of their father. Mm. And I wrote that when Mike Brown got murdered. Powerful. So that I'm filming that um, in October. Yeah, um, definitely uh, keep us up to speed, and I'll check back in with you. Uh, that I do uh, work with in different uh, film festivals uh, here in the Washington, D.C. area and uh, have some relationships out in Los Angeles. Uh, but definitely keep me up to speed on uh, on both your book and uh, the, uh, the production of your film because that's of great interest to me. Okie dokie, I will do that as well. Yeah, definitely do that. Um, it's a uh, yeah. I mean, as far as the publishing of your book, I mean, you can you you could self publish if you can't get a publisher. I mean, like I said, right now, at this point, I mean, how many awards has, have this the, uh, when the bell rings? How many awards have you won? You guys uh, won with that four so far. Yeah, so I mean, four awards, two honorable mention, one runner up. Yeah, so I mean, you you've got a platform, a speaking platform, right now. And uh, you know that 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 just gets gets you a leg up. So, you know, with the book and the uh, the, the the film, you know, you've got you've got a better start than uh, a lot of people, as you know, being in the uh, in the business in the biz, as we say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, okay. So we know you uh, you 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 boxer, father, uh, writer, poet. Um, Right off the top of your head, who are your top five boxers of all time? Sugar Ray Robinson, Muhammad Ali, Evander Holyfield, Lennox Lewis, and Parnell Whitaker. Nice, sweet Pete, <laughs> Parnell Whitaker, my man. Yeah. That's what's up. Yeah. That's that's a that's a serious top five. I'm going to start incorporating. Actually, I sparred I spar Parnell Whitaker in, 80, in 1989, actually. That's dangerous. <laughs> yeah, he busted, he, bust, he busted me up, too. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's day. I still have a, I'm not sure what Sports Illustrated from the 90s I have. I still have it in mint condition with Parnell Sweet Pea on the cover. I loved watching Sweet Pea, loved watching Roy Jones Jr., uh, 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 De La Hoya, Arturo Gotti, I mean, you know, yep. I, I could I could name. They're my bottom five, actually. Ontario Gotti, yeah. Oscar De La Hoya, Rocky Marciano, yeah. um, Azuma Nelson, and uh, oh. Felix Trinidad. Azuma, man, those guys. I mean, we could talk boxing. Oh, my God. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, Rocky Marciano, 
And then, of course, uh, your aforementioned uh, Sugar Ray Robinson, uh, which he was famous for the Jake LaMotta. Uh, uh, I guess he, they had a trilogy, right, of, of fights, three, yeah. three or four? Or could, no, yeah. I think it was more. I think it was more than that they fought. But the, the ones that were depicted in, uh, in Raging Bull – uh, was th- uh, the three, but I think they they did more than than the three fights. Um, okay, one more top five. Indulge me. What are your top five boxing films of all time? Um, Rocky one, Rocky two, Rocky three, <laughs> <laughs> Rocky five. That's it. Three. No, yeah, it's okay. no, no. Uh, I like Rocky. Um, so do I. Rocky two. Um. Tree will be on there now. Um, there's this movie. That, it does, it's not boxing, but I like Warrior. So oh yeah, yeah, Warrior's great. That movie. It's about MMA, but still, I don't. I'm not into MMA, but just that story about the brothers was something else to me. I yeah. like that. So Tom Hardy. I had to put that. I remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, starring Tom Hardy. That was a, a fantastic. Yeah, film. It, yeah, I like that movie. And then. Um, uh, I don't. Uh, I don't know it. I don't know any other ones. Actually, you said enough. You you had me at Rocky. <laughs> you're, 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 that's 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 perfect. And uh, you said you also, Miriam Tazi, didn't hear at the top of the program. You've listened to a couple episodes of the podcast. I hear. Yeah, I like the one you spoke with the gentleman that was the the, the YouTube airplane guy uh, who oh, had yeah, yeah. The, the Bridge of Spies. Gary that Powers. One, I listened to that one yeah. and then a couple other ones. Those are, it's a, I, I like, that's all I like, man, I can't wait to get on there. It's a nice, like how you, you know, you carry your interviews is awesome. Yeah, we, we we just wing it. Like, yeah, there, there's, <laughs> yeah, we're, 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 we're just winging it. There's no doubt about that. You know, but uh, we appreciate it. And we appreciate you tuning in and definitely being a part of the program. And uh, uh, in the in the near future, we'd like to welcome you back uh, on well, the program so we yeah, can check sure. back in. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me on. It's a pleasure, and um, it's like I said, it's a pleasure. I'm always getting my brand out there and tell people about when the bell rings and things I have going on, and um, they can catch me on. Twitter at Dina Wells, Facebook Dina Wells. They can Google me. You can go to www.itsmyurls.com slash Dina Wells. All my URLs are right there. So you can you're like me. There. <laughs> yeah, you're like me. I, I just keep my name simple. You Google Malcolm Riddle and it comes up. The, uh, the, I did that too, actually. Exactly you? what I did. So. <laughs> I Googled you. Yeah, it's, it's, it's all there. There's no doubt. <laughs> It's the truth. Oh, really. I forgot one more thing. I have a movie coming out next month too on the 29th of April. It's called Same Kind of Difference Me, starring starring Jaimon Hansu, Renee Zellweger, and Greg Kinnear. I play a character named Mister in that. It's my very first speaking part in a major motion picture. Nice. That's yes. on IMDb. It comes out April 29th. But I hadn't seen any promotions of it. But what's the name um, of it again? I, it's called Same Kind of Difference Me, starring Jaimon Hansu, Renee Zellweger, and Greg Kinnear. Got it. Yeah, we'll 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 definitely uh, put a link up for that as well on the podcast. And also, I saw you with the the uh, going back to your boxing real quick. One last thing, um, you were honored by the WBC. Yes, the WBC honored me uh, at the December seventeenth 
was it in December? Yeah, December 17th because of the documentary When the Bell Rings. They said by I should be um, the face of fathers or whatever because of, the, you know, the journey. And they said they should have more men like me in the world. Aww. So they honored me with the um, the WBC belt. And I have all the the things that the champions get, the belt, the hat, the shirt, the you know, the little pennant and all those things like that. So it's cool. I, and I said, you know, that's a wonderful. I wish I could have earned the belt by knocking somebody the heck out. <laughs> but, you know, getting it for my documentary is cool, you know, yeah. and I and I embrace it and I love it. And I thank them for honoring me with that. Well, you knocked, you knocked everyone out in a different way and uh, a more preferred way, especially by me, uh, in, in that fashion. So uh, you, you just keep knocking them out. And uh, you, you've got you've got a couple new fans, and uh, we're going to be watching you. And any way we can help out, uh, feel free. You've got my number, and uh, you know how to Google me. So uh, <laughs> definitely uh, reach out, and, and anything we can do, we we will be in your corner. And I think we're on Facebook too, as well. I think I think we just follow each other on Facebook or Twitter. One of those. Yeah, things. it was Twitter. Yep. I'll, I'll find you, well, but Dino. Thank you. <laughs> But thank you for having me on again, and, and I thank Kaiser. She's a wonderful manager. Yeah, she she's great. I'm I'm sure her and I will will talk soon, uh, no doubt, and uh, and 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 we'll connect in the future. All right, thank you very much. All right, Dino. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Wow, he's a really good guy, huh? Yeah, humble. Yeah, huh? Yeah, I think Don't. I have a crush. <laughs> Miriam Tazi almost broke down and cried, people. She was tearing up. I was. I mean, I did a few times throughout the film, so I just... You, you know, watched talking. it in its entirety. You weren't grazing like you... It. Okay. <laughs> I got to stay on top of you, Miriam Tazi. I watched it. I have mm. to uh, uh, be Well, there, once but... you told me it was going to be on, I was like, okay, this is research. This is, like, you know, I have to... Well, like I said, it, it... But I was very entertained, so it didn't feel like, quote-unquote, work for the podcast. You know it, what I mean? It happened fast, and... Uh, Oh, yeah, it happened. Yeah, I was just just by chance meeting someone at work, and uh, she was, uh, you know, big big ups uh, to to that uh, production, that yeah. production team. And like I said, if anyone wants to get involved with the uh, podcast, definitely reach out. I think I have uh, another one coming up that uh, listener uh, is plugged into. So we'll we'll see. What happens, but it it just makes the overall uh, show, the production of the show, uh, run smoothly because God knows, I mean, you guys hear me on a podcast, I'm a mess sometimes. I mean, maybe the listeners can't figure it out, but I'm looking at this, looking at that, <laughs> fumbling over words, can't pronounce names, and it's you know, it's a little of his podcast itis, but you know, it's engineer. You know, I, I it's just I'm not you know, it's just it's okay, Malcolm. It's, it's tough. A, it's okay. I, I would like to just sit back and relax, like me. Yeah, man, you know, you're not sweating. I'm over here wet. You know what I mean? Trying to drink my water. It's too loud. You looked at me funny. It was really loud. Like all the, you could hear all the ice like right by the microphone. When I take a, yeah, I take a sip and I. I put it on mute when you looked at me like that. Well, it was loud. But that's what's up, people. distracting. That's. uh, uh, Trying to listen to our guests. The name of the documentary, uh, When the Bell Rings, uh, directed by Brad Boris, starring David Dino Wells Jr., honorary WBC champion. How that right there is awesome, you know. 
Huh? That's pretty cool. I mean, I could have easily just, I could have, I could have done another hour just talking about Sweet Pea Pernell Whitaker. <laughs> I mean, Sweet Pea Pernell Whitaker? Um, he, he got to spar with him in the 80s? <laughs> I mean, Sweet Pea was a force in the 90s. You know what I mean? Representing <laughs> Virginia. You know? Straight out of VA. I didn't know he was from VA. I'm telling you. Thank you for telling I'm me. I'm telling you. Okay. <laughs> okay. A sweet pea per now. So I could have talked about that. We need Rocky, forget about it. We could talk about, about Rocky, but we Rocky talked about one. That's right. Two, That's all you had to say. Done. All right. You got cred. You know, you know, a thug with well, love in his heart. His story, right? <laughs> yeah. No, he's great. He was great. He was awesome. You know? And just to, like I said, uh, and, and there are no real spoiler alerts for those who haven't seen the film and want to see the film. Yeah, we talked about this. We talked about that. But you're going to overall, overall, when you submerge yourself into the film, you'll you'll get the 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 bigger, much grander uh, picture. Um, and you'll not only that, you'll feel it. So yeah. rent it. It's called When the Bell Rings. You can rent it on iTunes and Amazon. You know what to do. Right, go go to AmericanRiddle.com, click on the Amazon banner or the iTunes banner, rent it, and you know you can rent it for like five bucks, but you can own it for ten. So you might as well just buy it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's good to have. Like you said, you can watch it over and over. It's not yeah, like you can watch it over. You can you can when people are over, you know, and you don't know what to put on, you put that on. Let them watch it. Let it play. Uh, it, it's 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 worth the price, like I said, and it's got a great story. So it's uh, you know go to AmericanRiddle.com, dot com, click on the Amazon banner, you know, and, and rent it or buy it, you know, and, and in turn we get a little credit. There you go. That's all. Every everyone's uh, spreading the love, right, Miriam Tazi? Right. Mm, mm, mm. <laughs> I tell you, but yeah, that's 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 a. Uh, that's a great episode. I'm glad we glad we were able to do that. Yeah, I'm glad together. it worked out. That's awesome. That's unexpected. Fast. Yeah. Well, it's when it happens fast. You know, you gotta like you said, you gotta take advantage of the opportunity. This is like, like, like NBC, Miriam Tazi. Yeah, when the news hits, exactly we have to like report NBC. it. <laughs> she's laughing. She's she's actually laughing. Yeah, she did this the other day at the wine shop. I do. I I I I don't know what I was doing. I think I was I doing a tasting or something like that. Some customers were were interacting with me, and I told the customer I'm a lover, not a fighter. (laughs) And she look, (laughs) what the hell? Do you see what I have to? You now, you guys are witnesses. Everyone tuning in, you guys are witnesses. (laughs) Oh yeah, that was funny. My co-host with the most laughs at me at any given moment. No matter what the subject is, especially if it's the production or me being a lover, not a fighter. You know what I mean? Gosh, she's hysterics. I can't wait for losing people. Oh, that's great. So that's what's up. Like I said, you want to get involved, help me produce some episodes. You know, I give you some cred. You know, you go on the marquee. None of that, you'll be helping out for a good cause, right? Indeed. So that's what's up, people. Um, I think that's all I got for today. Got anything you want to close on? Hmm? Hmm? Well, you know how we do it, people. Domino, motherfucker. The American Riddle Podcast. Malcolm Riddle. I know you 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 know you
man Malcolm Riddle. The American Riddle. 